0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a ton of books that come out this week. Oh, books! Let's kick it off with a big one: Ultimate Invasion, number one for Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Brian Hitch. Now, this is the team. And then in part, there were other people involved, but in part, helped redefine Marvel Comics about a decade or two ago with the Ultimate Universe. Here, Jonathan Hickman is returning to those ideas, as well as ideas that he left over from Secret Wars and Fantastic Four and other things. Um, and finally, coming back to this universe, he has promised that he is going to come at it in a new way. He doesn't think it's worth it to just be like, let's reboot the ultimate universe and there we go at the end. That doesn't make sense. Instead, what is the new story here? However and mild spoilers here, but this issue is mostly about getting us to that point where the maker, who is the evil Reed Richards from the ultimate universe, is trying to get back to his universe. He takes a little side trip to check out Miles Morales and sees if he wants to come back with him. Also, we check back in with the Illuminati, a group that Jonathan Dickman was a big fan of who we haven't seen in a good long while, who are fighting against the maker. So, very much a setup issue here. I think we have a positive and a negative, so is what I'm getting from really? both of you. Well, Pete, you seem pretty negative about this. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit of a negative nan. Um, you know, <laughs> you've uh, always
2: been a nan, but to hear negative in front of it?
1: Shocking. Yeah. Um I mean, I love Brian Hitch's art. Well wait, what don't you like about it? I, the main character is a complete douchebag. I don't care about this fucking other Reed Richards. Oh. I don't oh, right. care about him doing douche moves.
2: You don't um, even like regular Reed Richards.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um and then he's like you know, Spider-Man's about to get, you know, I'm spoiling the shit out of this. Spider-Man's about to get hit uh, with a spider, slaps in the back, grabs the spider before Peter Parker even knows what's going on. So I'm like, cool, we get to watch a douche run around Marvel stopping people before they get their powers. Is that fun? Are, are people excited about this idea? It's a what if, I don't know, man, like with the douche in uh, charge, why do I... What, I forget to get excited
2: you, about. I forget that you don't even like Good Reed Richards, so there's no way you're gonna like Bad Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought you this lost was,
1: me at Reed Richards.
2: I I like uh, the Maker as a character. I think uh, interesting. You can tell because you like Hickman, you like
1: scars around the eye. Is that what you're into?
2: He's got sort of a cable. Uh, yeah, scar exactly. A Very original idea. <laughs> well, you know, different cable, people. The first fun.
0: person who had a scar on his eye. Go That's ahead, right, Justin. Justin.
2: Yeah. Uh, the but the way I, the the strange part for me is like we don't want the ultimate universe, they, and it's especially they sort of poke the the bruise when they're like the maker goes to Miles and it's like you want to come and it's like I I we're all on board with him just being here. Like we don't try to like go back or like you're you're unraveling a very nice tapestry that we all like. So like it's interesting to be sort of pulling at it a little bit. That's why I'm happy. Miles is like, no, I'm good here, and maybe we don't touch that again. The idea that they have to solve a problem where uh, Evil, the maker, is going to go there and create a world without superheroes where he is in charge. Very interesting here for that.
1: Is that interesting?
2: Yes, because I bet there'll be some heroes. It's like the recent Avengers run where you had – uh, Tony Stark in the Ant-Man armor. And like that to me is interesting. I, I want to see what that different universe is in a what-if way. But
1: you, you want to watch an asshole Reed Richards stop people from getting their powers. You think that's enjoyable? But he's we okay, go through so a bunch of... A couple of things I, I want to throw out
2: there. He's uh, a you villain. Do. You do. <laughs> what are you, you, what are you mad at, Dr. Doom? Because he's not nice? He's no. A, the maker's a villain. What don't do bring he, that's Dr. Doom
1: into this. Nobody's talking about Dr. Doom. Uh, I'm I'm just... Why do you like him? Pete and Dr. Don't Doom don't like are friends, maker. please. That's right. They yeah. had drinks yeah. the
0: other night. Oh, uh, man, Pete made this whole thing about like, how are you going to drink through your metal mask? And he's like, oh, careful. Like, I'm a good. A cursed LePage. page. Anyway, a couple of things to throw out there. Peter, I- I'm
2: in New York. Would you mind joining me for a beer? I'm, that theory is why I can't drink there because I'm in charge. To
0: the point that you're making, Justin, I do think there's an interesting thing here in terms of... Ultimate comics were supposed to reboot Marvel comics. They didn't exactly do that, but no pun intended here. Ultimately, what they did is, A, it it, uh, influenced the entire MCU, like not the entire MCU is directly based on that, but like you would not have the MCU without the ultimate comics. And also the ideas and themes and things that went into ultimate comics ultimately seeped into the main Marvel continuity once the Ultimate Universe went away. So, Stop saying Ultimate. Why (laughs) does it come back now? That is something that we don't know in this first issue, which is very much a reiteration and setup of ideas from Hickman of... Here's who the maker is. He was in the Marvel Universe. He's got to get back to the Ultimate Universe. We don't know what that means yet. So I actually remain very excited for the second issue in terms of what that does mean, because we haven't seen the invasion part of Ultimate Invasion yet. That potentially means big seismic things going forward, as Hickman has wanted to do. The other thing that I think is really big here that got me very excited is, even though it's relatively subtle, finally settling after years of What is going on with Miles Morales? Because when we left off in Secret Wars part of the point of Secret Wars was to get Miles Morales in the main Marvel continuity.
2: In his family and his whole world. It wasn't. Exactly. His, yeah. And
0: there so. was no explanation of that. There was yeah. no explanation of like, how are there two Spider-Mans? How is this going on? Why is Miles Morales here? Because Miles Morales' origin is so intrinsically tied to the idea that Peter Parker died and then he became Spider-Man. So yeah. who is Miles Morales in this case? I think that's something they're going to explore more over the course of the series as well, particularly because what we establish here is it seems like miles is aware he's in the wrong universe and is okay with it which is something that we have never gotten before so all of these ideas lead to a setup for me that is very exciting very intriguing and i'm very curious about the second issue
1: Mm. Okay, just to to check in real quick. So Alex, what you're saying is your favorite part part of this comic is when the main bad guy stop what he's doing for a second, just be like, yo, Miles Morales, you want to roll with me? And he was like, "Nah," and you were like, "Oh shit! This is this is awesome!" This is a wow. question about continuity.
0: I, so I, I've been a comic book fan for a long time. I don't know if you know about that. Me really? and one of the things that we really like about comic books is sort of like plumbing through the continuity and getting those kind of answers mm-hmm. there that we've been waiting for. You, as more of a fan of you, like like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon and stuff like that. So you might not be F- fil- go fuck yourself. You now. might not be Talk familiar about with it. Focus co- on you, dog. All right, yeah, don't you bring You might it not be here. familiar with comic books oh like my that God. But like that's of, the sort of thing a comic dogs. book fans dog get, dogs very, get,
2: thrown around.
0: get very excited about so yes getting some sort of confirmation about the continuity of miles morales is very exciting for me also the idea the whole exchange there the way that brian hitch draws it and the way that jonathan hickman writes it and mind you this was in the free comic book stay special so i've already seen this part but the thing of reed richards being like I didn't really know it. Sorry, the maker being like, I didn't really know it, but I I think we're in the wrong universe. And Miles being like, you didn't know that until now? The difference between their memories, that's a really interesting emotional and plot thread that you can follow over the course of this series.
2: Well, but I also think that – I mean there's a whole – the maker's aware of the um, all of the other Reed Richards that meet and have a confab, uh, so I feel like maybe it's a little less obvious to him. But I mean, it's obvious to, to Miles because he knows that there's a Peter Parker in this world. So like, and he also knows, I believe, that there's a Miles Morales in this world mm-hmm. who is a bad guy. So I feel like he's aware of the, those factors in in a good way. I'm less interested in poking out Miles's continuity. And more interested in the Maker and the idea that the heroes from 616 are going to invade the Ultimate Universe feels very cool. And Pete, I feel like you should like the Maker because it's all of your suspicions about the quote-unquote Good Reed Richards of the 616 come true.
1: Huh. Uh, I also thought it was really weird that nobody cared how easy the Maker was able to steal everybody's toys and just peace out with it. And
0: that very easy. they laid it out of the issue that it was very I know, purposeful. I read it.
2: Here's the thing, they don't have like on all those different artifacts, they don't have like, you know, in a CVS when they have like the deodorant in jail. They don't mm-hmm. have that for those artifacts. Yeah, it seems like it's harder you're... to steal when the deodorant's behind. The, the, the
0: other thing that I'll throw beer. out there, and then we can move on to the next issue, but I always love a story that deals with, and this is something that Jonathan Hickman hits a lot, but like the sins of Reed Richards. And I think what we're getting at here. When you left off at the end of Secret Wars, Reed Richards and the rest of the Fantastic Four were like, we're going to remake the multiverse. So we're going to kind of remember what the multiverse is and throw it out into the ether. Sometimes like literally physically, that's where we're going to end up here. My guess is he didn't remake the Ultimate Universe because that was the last universe that attacked the main Marvel MCU in Secret Wars. And I think what's going to come out here is Maker is pissed about that. He's like, you made everything else – You remade it so that I'm here, stuck here, and Miles is stuck here. What are you doing? And he writes, I'm sorry, I know you don't like it, Pete, but Jonathan Ickrens writes a really good, oops, I messed up Reed Richards. So that's always a very
2: exciting story to me. Very exciting. But I will say, in general, I'm ready to not say the word multiverse as much in my life. Mm. Interesting.
0: Well, get ready to say it at least one or two more times over the course of this stack, but let's kick it off first with (laughs) a non-multiverse, just a dream it's not a multiverse issue of wonder woman in number 800 from DC comics written by Becky Clunen, and Michael W. Conrad and Tom King art by Joel Jones, Aletha Martinez, Mark Morales, Nick Robles, Todd knock, Skylar Patridge, Cully Hamner, and Jen Bartel and Daniel Sam in the, the most of the issue, the bulk of the story, we are wrapping up Becky Clunan and Michael W. Conrad's run here as they pay tribute to the entire history of wonder woman, as well as particularly her sidekicks. And then the backup story is Tom King and Daniel Sam, Perry setting up their new run on Wonder Woman. What did you think about this goodbye, hello issue?
2: I thought this was fantastic. You know, we read a lot of like goodbye issues, especially like big, like statement issues like this. And Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad have had a great run on Wonder Woman, a nice long run on it. And so many of them are like Wonder Woman deals with all of the sort of the touchpoint characters in her world. And we get like really nice emotional versions of that. But what I particularly loved about this is the way that we get her encountering Dream Batman and Dream Superman. Oh, yeah. I I thought that was – you know, and I'm surprised more of these sort of like reprisal, like looking back issues don't do that because – It cements her place in the world. I love – this Batman story is one of the better Batman stories I've read in a long time where, like, she sees him as a kid. She sees like his – like, I thought that was really cool. The Superman stuff, just really great observations about Batman and Superman from someone who knows them, the character of Wonder Woman. But from a writing standpoint, just really smart writing from them. I I just was really, really impressed with this. Great art throughout. And then when you get to the Tom King stuff – Super exciting. The idea of completing the Super Sons Trinity with uh, a new Wonder Woman is very smart little area to push into. And she seems like a fun, uh, irreverent character.
1: Yeah, when you get like a celebration issue like this, you usually get like a, a bunch of stories. This is a hell of a package. This is really uh a banger stories in here that are, are that are very powerful and very well done artistically. It's it's really impressive. This is like 50 pages of just great Wonder Woman stories. And uh yeah, I was just really impressed from start to finish. Um you know, you got the Wonder Girl first one was really good. The the Batman Dream one really kind of uh was very enjoyable. So I, I was just super impressed with this overall. Um yeah, I thought uh you know, sometimes we get like a eight hundred issue or seven hundred issue, whatever they're celebrating, it's usually just kind of like showcasing the history, which is great and always fun to go down memory lane, but they really did a great job of not only celebrating the history, but also pushing things forward and getting you excited for stuff to come. So just really impressive as an issue overall. Question
2: about the Batman scene. Were all the little white like circles on the ground when he, his parents were killed? Because like, I felt like, were they like tapioca balls? Was it like had you a know, bubble tea? Or like, what's the deal?
0: It was it was back, Wano. It was a uh, precursor oh, of oh. Fight of the bats. It
2: was
1: pearls. It was yeah. pearls, man.
2: Pearls. Nice, mm-hmm. from like, they had oysters. They were eating oysters. Right. And and on the street in like, Crime Alley. No. <laughs> they barfed them not I don't appreciate Crime this. Alley oysters, probably not. Great, That's my right? problem, Crime but I'm having oysters. oysters.
0: I, I'm like, I'm crapping pearls for days, you know? <laughs> oh, my
2: God. I got to go to that oyster bar. It's a wealthy... <laughs>
0: Tenement number one
2: Alex's Crap and (laughs)
0: Pearl From Image Comics Written by Jeff Lemire Art by Andrea Sorrentino This is continuing the Bone Orchard Mythos Which is a spooky horror Halloween Thing that they're doing Uh, Anyway, there's a guy with some feathers And he's in other land In this issue There's a bunch of people that live in a tenement together And they're all connected in strange ways That we don't know about yet Tell you what, this very much leads into the art of Andres Arntino. And like I always like to say, worth it for the art alone.
2: Uh, that is your, your quote. You fucking That's, fuck. Yeah. And and well, so you, you guys like are both say saying... You guys were saying your fun. catchphrases. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's when the action figure line comes out. You will pull Pete's arm and he'll say, you fucking fuck. And Alex <laughs> will say, worth <laughs> it for the art alone.
1: Uh, yeah. Artistically, this is really impressive, especially the panels and stuff like that. Really just uh, very panels. creative. But it's also super creepy. I mean, really fucking creepy. In a way that, uh, you know, Jeff Lemire has a creepiness to his writing uh, that is highlighted really well here by the artist. Um, yeah, I'm a, I was I was kind of scared reading this.
2: I like this issue. The bone orchard of it all is the part I'm like, uh, wait, oh, yeah, right. And you don't really know what the larger world is. So I like that the bone orchard mythos is a tiny part of the title and, uh, because it. To me, the larger universe is a little bit of a distraction in relation to just a cool story that we're setting up here that is an a interesting horror, uh, like ensemble cast comic. Can
0: I throw you uh, out my biggest problem with this book? My biggest problem with this book is like it always seems like a good idea to go to the Bone Orchard, but you go there uh-huh. and you come back. With so many bones, like yeah. so many bones. And you're like, of course I got to do it because I spent the time to go up there. You make a bone pie. You maybe you make some bone yeah. sauce or something like that. But ultimately
2: mm, – I love bone sauce. Here, here's the thing, Alex. Yeah. The, you're supposed to go to – humans go to apple orchards. Dogs go to the bone orchard.
0: Yeah that is the mistake that
2: I'm making yeah you're getting up didn't you notice when you look around there's a bunch of dogs on like dates oh, right with like dog those families. little clappy things
0: where you take the bones off the bone trees I did notice yeah. that but
2: I and there's it. a bunch of dogs with the cones on who work there and they're like get out of here. man I hate this <laughs> get out of my boot orchard <laughs> I planted these bones and now they're bone trees they're you bones. know it's funny
0: speaking of dog people let's move on talk about Wild's End number one hey, from Boom Studios written on. by Dan Abnett art by I.N.J. Culbert. Now, this is the continuation or parallelization of a series that this team has done before, which it's sort of incidental that they are animal people in this world, but they're sort of like cute – it's not Animal Farm that I'm thinking of, but I'm thinking of something else like – what were you going to say, Justin? The
2: comic that I was thinking of is the stuff that Jason did, the mm-hmm. uh, the Scandinavian comic book. Yeah, uh, a
0: little bit like that. So there are these animal people, and if you haven't read the previous books, basically what happens is like they get stuck in the middle of War of the Worlds, aliens attack, like the saucers come down, they start killing everybody. So we've had previous series of this before. This is showing us a new town with new characters that we're focusing on and spoiler here, but a fishing boat goes out of town as this alien attack happens and they're catching up with later. Pete, I know this is one of your favorites of the week, so take it away.
1: Yeah. yeah I just thought it was, uh, just really drawn very well. the kind of these adorable animal people, but they have human problems. And, uh, I also really enjoyed the back matter and, um, the kind of uh, cool uh, uh, letters and stuff that you got, um, yeah. But it's this kind of thing where they go out to see and then when they get back, uh, nobody's there, and they find where somebody was sitting on a bench, and there's kind of like a burnt, kind of like symbol uh, on the wall, and then they find shoes, but their the the feet are still in there, so it looks like yeah. someone was. Uh, I
2: hate when I do that. <laughs>
1: Oh, you you hate when you leave your feet still Feed in the, the shoe? shoe? Oh, yeah. Because um, it's well, like I don't want to untie them. So you just cut off your leg? Is that what you do?
2: I just really pull really hard. Let me ask oh. you, what animal would you be in this world? Uh, like if you're sort of – because all these animals have their, their personalities are expressed in their animal, I feel like. So mm-hmm. what do you think? I
1: don't know. What's the angriest animal that you can think I'd... of? Honey badger. You'd be a honey badger, Pete. Okay. Honey badger. There yeah. we go. With no honey,
2: Yeah.
1: Alex. What about you? I was you? thinking more of a Tasmanian devil, but all right.
2: I don't know. Taz spinning around in circles the whole time. Otter, going, maybe. Going, a, I be yeah, an otter. I was going to say otter for me. That's mm, so funny. Okay. We're otters, and you're a Tasmanian.
1: <laughs> you guys are. You, <laughs> you guys can Owl, float, float right, in the water, Pete? and hold hands. Yeah, nice. that's right. And you know, with
2: the exactly, we're shitting pearls all day. (laughs) It's like like real life.
0: I really like this series. Yeah, me too. I I was very happy to see it back again. I wasn't sure what to expect, given that we had followed it so far. But this is a really cool tale to take these characters, take them out of town and have them figure out what's going on. The art, as always, is absolutely wonderful. The animal characters are very specifically written and drawn, so I like it quite a bit.
2: I'm glad Boone's doing it. Glad Boom's doing it. Uh, it reminded me of the books the books that Jason does, which I really love, except less just uh, sad and um, uh, sort of ennui, drowning mm-hmm. in ennui, and much more, like, chatty and uh, emotional.
0: The Incredible Hulk, number one for Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Nick Klein. The Hulk is back on Earth, and this is, I would say, very funny to me in terms of Philip Kennedy Johnson being like <laughs> – Okay, so you know the Immortal Hulk run by Al Ewing, which was like the green door and this horror-inflected Hulk, and yep. then they made Hulk into a spaceship in Donnie Kate's run and took him on Earth and had him fight all these Hulks in space. Completely forget about the last run. We're just going to follow up directly yeah. on the Immortal Hulk run. Mm-hmm. And, like, they do make nods to it. I don't want to, like, slag it off or anything, but basically if you liked Immortal Hulk but were bothered by the more problematic art- aspects of the artist on that book – pick this up yeah,
1: yeah it's it, it's got the green door it's very horror kind of focused and uh kind of uh, really creepy kind of body grotesque kind of stuff going on with the hulk uh yeah evil monsters scary shit but it's very interesting um i i feel like uh phil Kennedy johnson's got an interesting idea here so i'm excited to see what hopping's because there seems to be, like, a little girl who also has some rage issues, which uh, was nice to see – felt seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's nice. So,
2: And that's your daughter in Marvel continuity, right? Uh, yeah, it seems like it. If Are I you talking one. about
0: the woman in the second half? Because I think that's supposed yes. to be Betty. Is it?
2: N- no, there's the girl it seems who, younger. Yes, Betty is in there. But okay. there's a girl who's running away from her. Yeah, yeah. She's her. got a little oh, Captain okay.
1: America backpack on. Yes, yes. Yeah. So
2: both, uh, both occur in this story. I agree. I like the horror focus. And while the Al Ewing run was sort of paranoid sci-fi horror, this feels like more monster yeah. body horror, a little more hard H horror. So that's cool. And uh, look, I don't quite understand what Bruce is like. And wh- the Hulk seems to be uh, awful. So I'm curious where we're going to find that line where we can make him the hero in some capacity.
0: We'll see. They might just lead into making him the monster. Whatever it is, this is a good team on the book. This is a good take. I'm excited to follow it. Let's move on to Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, number three from DC Comics, written by Kenny Porter, art by Genoi Lindsay. Superboy, specifically the Connor Kent Superboy, is in space. He has met other genetic abnormalities that he has teamed up with to fight the Dominators, that are creating their own evil genetic abnormalities. However, this issue, Superboy is finding out things are a lot more complicated than he expected. He thought they were simpler. He tried to escape Earth to get away from the other super people. Not quite working out here. I like this book more and more every issue, personally. What about you guys?
2: You agree. agree. It feels like it's approaching almost Legion, Legionnaires, mm-hmm. uh, that, those great runs from the past, with Superboy as the focus, which I think is, while well, Superboy constantly joins the Legionnaires. This is a different Superboy joining a different team. I like it. I like that it's an outsider story that Superboy is like, you know, I just don't have a place on Earth right now. So I'm going to come up here, mess some things up and maybe make some friends.
1: Uh, yeah. The reason I would disagree with you a little bit respectfully, Justin, is it feels like it's uh, a little bit like Legionnaire, but it feels a little bit more heart. There's like a little bit more heart behind it instead of it just kind of being like, like to some people. I also think that um, I don't know. I really think that this is just such a, a great run. I, I I love the kind of tone, the art set. Uh, you know, sets. It's got this young kind sort of, of 90s. feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just feel that like. It's nice to see Superboy kind of enjoying himself, you know, having fun with the team. Um, I just, I'm a little worried because it looks like he dies at the end there, you know? So, and I noticed that. It's too we, bad. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad because I feel like it's, uh, I want more. And what's weird is I noticed that like a lot of the DC books are just kind of, it just seemed like we had this kind of beat of like, are uh, we just going to have somebody die at the end? Uh, so I was a little kind of like, what? Uh, What's going on in D.C. with uh, just kind of killing people off in the last panel. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for more of this. I'm having a great time with it.
2: Curious what other books you're talking about. Uh, Maybe a coincidence. And also we're setting up a big, like, horror uh, crossover.
0: Tales of Suspense. Number one from Image Comics, written by T. P. Louise and Chris Ryle, art by Ashley Wood and Nelson Danielle. This is a anthology title from our friend Chris Ryle, who we know from Lock and Key and other things. Oh yeah, uh, I'll, these are two. Very different stories here, but I'll throw out that the backup story for Chris ryle and Nelson Daniel is so funny. It
2: is. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Oh
0: my God. It is like this wizardy hero guy who gets the shit beat out of him. Yeah, over the course to the point, the point where he's
2: like, like, I need to do magic so no one looks at me weird because I just got fucked oh up. Oh my God. His name's Dreamweaver. The,
0: yes. And it's set up as like this. I'm a Dr. Strange type character. By the end, he's like spewing blood everywhere. So funny. Um, completely contrasted with the fudge story, which reading that story, legit, I was like, put this in an art museum. This yes.
1: is art. Thank Absolutely. you. Yeah. Holy cool ass artistic art. I mean, this is just some really impressive stuff. Uh, it, it really contrasts the funny uh, story, which I think is a great kind of one-two punch where you have something that's so artistically kind of driven and then something that's just kind of more humor driven but man just uh it's a hell of a package and um yeah I was just really impressed uh yeah I I just was like man I want these panels on my wall it's so cool and uh, touching letters page and then also you got that amazing pic of Al Jaffe in the back uh, R.I.P.
2: There's a great, just while you're talking about the back matter, uh, sort of a explanation about what split comics are. How back in the day it was very much like you will have two very different stories and you'd sort of like getting a little mini variety pack, which launched a lot of new talent, a lot of new characters in the early days of comics. And to do that, I love that. And maybe I like, I'm different than some other readers, but I like just jumping in and being exposed to new stuff. And that's what this comic does in a great way.
0: Camp Pickens, number one from Archie Comics, written by John Jordan, Morris, Blake Howard, and Tim Seely. art Eek. by Diana Camaro, Carol uh, Barelli, and Nick, Mike Norton. This is three stories set at Camp, camp Pickens. Pickens. It's all summer camp horror Archie style. What would you guys think about this one?
1: It's just silly fun. I mean, you got you know the bug juice and you know, curses and murder panels, uh, but it's all kind of done in a kind of joking artistic way. Uh, Cause the, the art is a little bit more kind of cartoony. It undercuts the kind of murder stuff. Uh, you know, I didn't appreciate the uh, Betty and being murdered in a lake, but other than that, I thought it was a lot of fun.
2: I actually like that story. I, I liked a lot of these, the the bug juice take I thought was really fun. I won't spoil what it was, but like sort of upset expectations in an interesting way. The Veronica one was the one where I was like, I just felt sort of like unnecessarily sad uh, by the end where I was like, I just wanted a little more space for the story to for mm-hmm. all of these stories to uh, get to run.
0: That's one of my big things with all of these anthology books that they've been doing. They're so much fun. And like you mentioned, I think Jordan Morris's story up front the Bug Juice one was the best one for me. It is the overarching story that connects everything as they're telling these other two stories. It's fun, it's goofy, it feels very Archie Comics but dark at the same time. But I want I want more. Like I don't want I want these to be oversized anthologies because it always feels like they're rushed at the last page. You yeah. know, and all good. Love Tim Sealy, love Mike Norton, don't know Blake Harrod and Carola Pirelli quite as much, but these are all really good teams. I want to see these be ongoing or something.
2: I don't know. Yeah.
1: Better to leave one more, man. Or if uh,
2: this, if the Camp Pickens can be ongoing with just a bunch of stories about camp stuff. Totally. Because you could do fun Not always horror. You could do one horror, one like. Mm -hmm. You could do like
0: making some friendship bracelets, going on a canoe. Those are things that happen at camp.
2: I love going on a canoe Mm -hmm. because they're wobbly. Mm-hmm. That's why you um, like canoes? Very. Yeah. They're wobbly. They're risky. They're yeah. wobbly. Well, it's like a kayak with a friend. Mm-hmm.
0: Safer than <laughs> a submarine. Scarlet Witch, annual number one for Marvel, <laughs> written by Steve Orlando, art by Carlos Nieto. This is pitting Scarlet Witch against Agatha Harkness. Kart- oh, Hartness. man. She's young and hot now. Pete, the you're, a, you're an old chaser. How'd you feel about this? <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't know what you mean by that, but I was happy Darcy's in this. kicking butt. I love the Agatha Sorry, fighting. I should
0: have said wrinkle fucker. Go ahead, people.
1: I, I also don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. Uh, Darcy you, you, is you great. Love,
2: you love grandmas.
1: <laughs> uh, I enjoy a grandma in the comic book sometimes. Not all the time. Outside of a comic book, all times. All oh, times. boy. Anyway, Agatha fighting Scarlet Witch is fun. <laughs> the whole poison tea Agatha fucking shit up and they're ripping out hearts. It's just it's a fun time. Yes, Darcy, uh, art is super type bananas. This this is a great book.
2: Uh, The way to Agatha Harkness has been a Marvel character forever as a very old who I a witch who was around. I want to say back at the Salem witch trials Mm -hmm. or like just an ancient witch. So the way they they, the first thing when they see
1: her, like man,
2: you look great for being so old. Yeah. And she just revamps it up a little bit, which I think is fun, though. Steve Orlando is really crushing it on this title. I like the sort of twists and turns we get here and where it ends up. I think is interesting. I'm fully on board for this. And thank you, Alex, for, for coining a term that I'd never heard before.
0: <laughs> Anytime. I really like this as well. This is a great one shot. I hope they continue with this whole Scarlet Witch owning a shop with Darcy as yeah. long as they possibly can because it's such a fun concept. And it's worth Great it team. To it's weird to me that they were like, we're going to give you a young Agatha Harkness but not actually make her look like Katherine Hahn. Like, I feel like... I don't know. Just take the extra step. It's okay. You made Darcy look like Darcy. Just go for it. It's all right. We'll be happy with it, but it's fine. It's not a big deal.
2: Yeah, I wonder what the rationale there is. I think there's like, we'll go most of the way, but not all the way, I guess.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to what I know was one of Justin's favorite issues of the week. Yes. Nightwing 105 from DC comics written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. This issue, I'm going to spoil the title of it at the end because it kind of explains what it is, but the title of the issue is you are Nightwing and it's all a POV issue uh, where you get to see all the panels from Nightwing's perspective. Come on. He goes on an adventure with Batgirl and a bunch of villains that he has to rescue. Justin,
1: Justin, it. do you feel like you have DC's ear? Do you feel like they were just like, man, this Justin guy has been talking about he being is in, Nightwing, you know, yeah. riding the, along. Yeah, like uh, you got to feel so happy.
2: I love this comic. I love this issue. The more we can spend time with Dick and Barbara, the better. This their relationship is so hot. It's so sweet. It's so hot They're out right there fighting It it really is. They're out there fighting crime. I love she like almost flies off the train when they're jumping the train there. And he's like, he catches her. They're just, they're the best couple in comics. Uh, And I love watching their adventures. I want to see that go on and on. The way they sort of flirt with each other throughout it. I love it. The POV thing is so interesting. I haven't really seen that done before. It's so cool, especially for a character and a comic that is in its absolute prime
1: right now. Pete? Yeah, I just think this is a blast of a comic. It, it continues to be a blast. The art is just so great. I love the style. Uh, love all the action. They're doing an unbelievable job with this relationship. It's They're just killing it. Absolutely it's killing definitive
2: it. definitive Nightwing. This is going to go down yeah. as the run on One
1: Nightwing. of the best DC comics in the stands right now. The uh,
2: I miss Bruno Rotondo's art so much on this
0: book. They're The Titans. This art
1: is fantastic on this book. That's that's who. That's what I literally just said. Well, how can you miss it when it's right here?
0: The Titans arc that happened right before it did not have Bruno Redondo art, and as much as I liked the Titans arc. It didn't have the same sort of groundbreaking visual innovation that you get when Tom Teller and Bruno Redondo are working together. And that's what I was so excited to see here. I know it takes time. I know maybe Bruno Redondo can't turn around a groundbreaking issue every month out of the gate. but Yeah, like, this would
2: take some thinking.
0: Absolutely. Time. But like worth the it's wait. worth it. It's, it's absolutely worth it for the art alone. Like I always say it, there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I believe P, oh. you fuckity fuck. I think <laughs> it's where you usually respond Speaking
1: of worth it for the art alone, I hate fairyland number six. Oh, God. From Image weird. Comics, what is happening
0: here? Written by Scotty Young, art by Brett You take my Bean. job, I'll take yours, motherfucker. Pete's in, uh, in Iraq, he's got
2: a rush. He's got a date with a very old woman. Oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not denying it, he just laughed. The, in this issue, Gert has finally made it back to Fairyland. That's where she's been heading to. And the uh, people who run Fairyland are like, oh, man, Gert is back. She's the worst. What do we got to do about this? And that's... Big spoiler here where we go into the goethe by the end of Uh, the issue. Uh, Uh, I love this book. It's so fun. It's just an enjoyable goof of a book that is just devoted to bits and violence and jokes. And that's pretty much it.
2: And they like I actually liked the use of the of time travel and sort of multiversal uh, touchstones here. I thought it was fun. It gave the story just a little bit of like heft to it in a way I think it needed at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, this comic is a mother fluffing blast. I, I just love it. It's just so. Puff and fluff. Uh, amazingly written. Uh, amazing last page. It, everybody on this project seems like they're having a blast. One of the lines, uh, what in the muffin fluff is that? I just, oh, this is just, it's adorable and gross at the same time. It's just really impressive what they were doing in this comic. And then the fact that they kind of like went back and, are, are doing even better. It's just so impressive.
0: Victory number one from Dynamite written by David Walker, art by Brett. Well, in this issue, we're spinning in out. Vampirella, I believe where we have a character who has a magic ring, not 100% sure, but she's been pursued by a bunch of demons. Tell you what, the art is great in this book. I I was trying to pinpoint who it reminded me of, and for the life of me, I can't come up with it. But as usual with Dynamite, forget about the cheesecake covers. It has literally nothing to do with that inside of the book. It's basically like a Fast and the Furious thing where she's being chased by a bunch of demons in a car. Very fun. I really like this a lot.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. The cover really turns you off to this idea of the TNA that is kind of presented. So uh, if you can get past the cover of the inside is just so uh, impressive, the character design, I was going to say like a, almost a cliff chain because of the thickness of the lines.
2: Oh, That's a good comment. Um,
1: but I love the great balance of action and story in this. Um, yeah. I want to re- read more. I'm really impressed by the team on this and just uh, stop fucking making it bad with the covers.
2: But I think the story inside, like, is is definitely worth it. Like, they're yeah. going to do what they're going to do on the covers, but like the mythology that they're developing here is really interesting. And like Alex said, it's just a fun, action oriented uh, story. I love the way the demons are drawn. Very fun.
0: The Avengers number two from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by C.F. Via in this issue, we're picking up at the cliffhanger where Captain Marvel met a very injured Kang. And in this issue, he says, hey, I need your help. They say, why would we want to help you? And he said, I'll help you save 1000 people in the next 24 hours. And if you do that, I'm going to ask for your help. Uh, And that's what happens over the course of this issue. I know we felt uh, pretty good. I think about I the felt first, good. You felt very good about the first issue of Avengers. How are we feeling about issue number two?
2: I feel like the things we talked about were that it felt like a very boilerplate Avengers first issue. It was like, let's bring this team together. And the team was basically the team that was in the Avengers right before this book launched. So it wasn't a big swing. But I think what we're getting in this issue is the swing. It is what was happening. And I love – Uh, Kang just dropping like here's all the bad shit coming your way and then the first one is in orbit at the end of the issue I'm like let's go is the vibe coming off this I was like yes I like this I think all the characters are being used really well I like everybody doing having their own little mission and seeing them being the Avengers they're going to be in this book fully on board with the Jed McKay takes
1: yeah i agree uh justin i thought this was really impressive i love the action the black panther stuff was great also captain america is great in this he can drive yeah. a truck he loves marvin gay i mean who doesn't great i mean completely true you uh, could get
2: it behind an 18 wheeler you think
1: what me yeah no i couldn't just walk up and just all of a sudden drive a truck
2: Oh, I, Captain, I thought you said who. I think your quote was who couldn't do this.
1: No, I was talking about Marvin Gaye. Who doesn't love Marvin Gaye?
2: Oh, mm. oh I got you. Uh,
1: so it's just true statement. Uh, I'm, I yeah, feel I'm, like
2: it, we should do a long haul truck. We should start Ooh, a, the podcast two of us, three of us. While
1: we're doing a long haul truck, ah, it would be fun yeah. podcasting while driving. Yeah, that doesn't sound tense at all. Hong Kong, yeah. I Who's mean, driving. if somebody else is driving and maybe we're in the back of the truck doing the podcast, that could be oh, Like we're being held hostage in the back of the yeah. truck and somebody's driving us to an
0: undisclosed yeah. n- no? yeah. location.
2: No. No. Or we, the, if the truck slows down and we stop podcasting, we die. Like speed, but for podcasting. <laughs> speed,
0: but for podcasting. That's sometimes uh, what I feel like doing the show. Why don't we move on in that <laughs> case? And talk about Titans number two from DC Comics, written Does by that Tom mean when Taylor. When we turn
1: sixty, we got to stop doing the podcast. Um, no, we die is what that, means, 60. Um, no, we <laughs> That's what
2: that means.
0: But we'll tape it. We'll release that podcast with my last breath. I'll yeah. be
2: like, and post.
0: Art by Nicola Scott. This is another big number two we talked about. Uh, they are, I guess, coming out of the same week every time. But the cliffhanger at the end of the last issue is the Titans were finally firmly established as this new team is the preeminent team in the DC universe, except Wally West died. See, Justin? We- As we speculated, though, with the last issue, he didn't die. It was just a future version of himself. Now he's going to have to solve his own murder while they are dealing with a bunch of other threats at the same time. What did you think about this issue?
2: I like the mystery. I like the Titans uh, history and mythology we're getting into, especially with the stuff at the end uh, that I won't reveal. They set that up really well, I feel like. And the team being like, are we the Justice League? What's where's our place? Because I think that's a question a lot of people have about a lot of superhero teams, specifically the Titans. And I like their self definition. And within the team, each character is also finding some self definition with each issue. It's just another really well plotted and paced Tom Taylor book.
1: Yeah, Tom Taylor is killing the game. Uh, But yeah, this is uh, Wally West dies. Uh, It's uh, hence what I was saying about all the DC comic books right now. He died at the beginning. Yep. Uh, and then he's also alive Yeah but then he's like But somebody's dead You know what I mean And then Garth sees himself on TV So one of those two have gotta go You know what I mean uh, But all that what? kind of uh what are you talking we- about If there's two Beast Boys One of them's gotta go right You can't just have No he doesn't see himself on TV He
0: sees Aqualad or Tempest on TV
1: Oh Tempest. I'm sorry I thought it's that was different like character No, my bad. Yeah, Um, Tempest is
2: Aquaman's uh, former
1: sidekick, who's mm -hmm. a
2: a sea wizard.
1: Yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah, I just thought that, like, uh, great mix of action. You ever meet two people named Garth?
0: Yeah. Also, it's Garth and Garfield. Uh, They're both called Gar, but I understand where your confusion comes from.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. It's like when you meet a Peter. (laughs)
2: Oh, I've never... There's only one Pete in my life. that's sweet. I can't handle it.
0: Anyway, good book. Let's move on from this because I feel like we're getting stuck here. Arcade Kings, number two, from Image Comics by Dylan Burnett. This is following a guy with a dragon fruit head who is doing a bunch of fights in real life and also video game fights. Pete, you were over the moon for the first issue. How do you feel about
1: issue number two? I'm still loving the shit out of this comic. I love the art style, love all the action. You're getting the story as well as the action as the battles kind of rage on. You're kind of learning as you go. Ton of fun. Uh, love all the action. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, pretty cool. I'm
2: going to say two things that I think this uh, reminds me of, and maybe they're not meaningful, but this is Cobra Kai meets River City Ransom. Okay. Anybody on board with that?
1: I was Brain, hoping you were going to say classy. Mega Man, because the guy with the uh, tomato A, head reminds me he like Mega Dragon Man, but. Fruit. Sorry. Bro. He
2: looks like a little like Mega Man, but the, the game that they come out of is all about just like fighting random dudes. in River yeah. City Ransom, great classic NES game where you had to fight your way across town to the top mm-hmm. of high school to, through different gangs with funny costumes.
1: Yeah, there's a ton of games like that. You know, Double Dragon, Streets of Rage. You know, there's tons of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, River City Ransom is the fun one.
0: Uh, let's move on to something that i believe is an actual video game adaptation starfinder angels of the drift number one from dynamite written by james l sutter art by edu mena in this issue a bunch of things happen what did you guys think
1: (laughs) i I feel like this is a little bit of an homage to guardians of the galaxy but uh a lot of action some fun uh moments uh very interesting characters Cool.
2: It's interesting that you make a comparison to Guardians of the Galaxy, a book we're going to talk about in, I want to say, 90 seconds. But I also think this is a real Start direct,
1: Let's see direct
2: comparison is. to something that, Pete, I think I want you to check out, um, which I know is like a real blank spot in your history. Uh, Bucky O'Hare. Uh, something that I don't know if you've ever <laughs> saw or heard Croaking of. Some this toads. Is, this is very Bucky O'Hare to me. Yeah. A cartoon from the nineties that, as far as we know, only Pete and I saw.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've got another minute until the ninety seconds is up. Do you guys oh, want to okay. stay silent or sure keep we talking
2: not? about this book? I mean, I I, I like the the story. Like it, it's fun. I don't. It does feel like a larger world that I'm not aware of and will slowly become aware of. I guess. If nice. We keep Still got 50 seconds. Keep riffing.
1: Why, don't, we Why guys don't, don't you just go on to the next one, man?
2: No, man. You
0: said 90 seconds. We got to hit that. We got to yeah, hit that. Oh, hold hold we off. don't. No, no it's produ- very we have a,
2: important. A production team right off uh, Right, here our here producer, who is...
1: Who is who? Who is our producer? <laughs> Oh my, yeah, Cowell, oh, my God. Yeah, Simon
2: Cowell, famous producer. <laughs> famous podcast. Simon Cowell. For a podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: Simon He famously L.
2: loves being off-camera producing.
1: Yes. <laughs> no, don't don't, uh, don't put don't me on the microphone. Stop. Guardians of the Galaxy
0: number no, three. No, hold on. He, we still got 15 he, seconds. You let me you
2: don't want another comic
0: in the stack? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oy, what are you, say? Call, what you, are you doing, doing? I'm doing for- my Simon Cowell impersonation. You're Guardians like- of the Galaxy number three from Marvel, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Art by Kev Walker. Now, we are following the phenomenon of Grootfall, which has destroyed various oh. planets. We don't know a lot about what's going on here, <sighs> other than the fact that it's pretty much emotionally destroyed the Guardians of the Galaxy and kind of turned them even a little more into villains than they were before, a little bit heroes. Mm. A little bit of both, to use the phraseology of the movie. Um, And I would say, I know you guys were a little higher on the second issue, but I felt like the second issue was not a misstep, but just sort of went away from the main narrative in a weird way. For the second issue, for me, we're back on it in a big way in this issue, and I was very much on board. I would say this is probably my favorite
1: issue so far, frankly. Interesting. Because favorite issue I, of the stack, or just of this Guardian's run?
0: Favorite issue of any comic I've ever read in my life. Holy
2: shit! What
1: a it's statement! It's literally
0: that is. the best comic that's ever been produced.
2: The thing, because for me, I want to know more about what's up because mm. the characters aren't well, talking it's about app it. App where you can text people. You know, <laughs> What's app? Yeah, I want to know more about WhatsApp. No,
0: Pete what's app is an app called WhatsApp.
2: <laughs> so you can just say what's sup. up to strangers? Yeah, you just yeah. go, sup.
0: Yeah, you can't connect. Uh-huh. You're literally not allowed to connect to your friends. You can only connect to strangers. strangers. It's like the agree.
2: worst dating app?
1: Yeah, I agree. Then, yeah, I as love soon as you become
0: cop- friendly in any way with people that you're in contact with, that cuts off
1: contact. I love this comic. Uh, uh, the Groot stuff was heartbreaking. uh got me in the feels a little bit. Um, I also love the line uh, by Drax, I will teach these hilarious idiots the meaning of glory. That's how I feel, feel about you guys. Uh, wow. The art wow. is super tight bananas, and uh, I hope they didn't sir. kill Groot. Hmm.
2: The, I want this to just add. It feels like the story isn't activating yet, and it's like Space Western. I think that's fun, but I just want to, like, really get in there and know what's happening. Maybe the introduction of Rocket in the next issue will help to do that. So I'm still I, – I like a lot of the ideas here. It just feels like the story is not telling itself to us yet, and uh, I'm ready for it.
0: I, I think we're going to get that at, like, issue six, right, or something? that I guess. eventually they're going to jump back and show it, but we'll see Superman. We'll see. Number five from DC comics written by Joshua Williamson, art by Jamal Campbell. In this issue, Banshee and Jimmy Olsen are in love. Yeah! However, yes, love it. When a shouty lady uh, dates a uh, journalist, dude, the Banshee Jimmy. has been amped up at her powers. driven a little crazy by the villains in the book who are Lex Luthor's villains in particular. Um, I I've got on record with every issue about really loving this run. Like the art from Joel Campbell is impeccable. Joshua Williamson is really leading into his horror roots (laughs) and the things that work with him. Um, And I love the relationship between Lex Luthor and Superman. Do you guys feel the same or do you hideously disagree?
1: I, uh, I I don't hideously. I disagree. That's not my favorite part about the, I'm, I love, I've never liked Jim Yolson. Uh, this is the first time I liked him. Seeing him mm. uh, fight for love uh, was just so great. Jetpack for love. Yeah. And stepping up to Superman and being like, you'll back off. I love this woman was amazing. I really I had a great time with this. Um, yeah. And crazy last panel looks like uh, spoilers, but Lex Luthor is dead now. I, you know, they're killing off no. a lot of people in DC no. is all I'm saying. Uh, there's some amazing covers. Uh, I I just I felt like this was uh, such a uh, cute couple and really well done. It's um, I, I was having a blast with this issue.
2: Really dr- well uh, staged drama here. The idea of uh, these bad guys who are trying to kill Lex. So Lex and Superman are working together to figure this out. Send Banshee to kill Superman's super hearing. Superman then has a great date night out with Lois and uh, and uh, Jimmy and Silver Banshee. Siobhan, that's really cool. While at the same time, we're cross-cutting between because Superman can't hear Lex being uh, shivved in yeah, jail. Yeah,
1: got shivved in jail, dude. He
2: It happens. And the just the la- the end line, Superman saved me from Lex. <sighs> Just like amazing, like really amazing. That work. hits and you, dude. Yeah,
1: I feel like this Lex Luthor crying out, "Superman, save me!" With his last tiny voice, dying he's using a tiny voice. Dude? Yeah, the, he's uh, dead, the, dude.
2: I, I feel like this. No, I feel like this book isn't getting a lot of shine, and I wish it got more because I think it, it really is is doing well.
0: Rogue Son, number 13, from Image Comics, written by Ryan Parrott, art by Abel and Marco Renna. In this issue, we're continuing to deal with the fallout of the fact that our main Rogue Son's body has been taken over by an old dude from the Middle Ages who was the previous Rogue Son. We're also getting some big mythology and mic drops here by the end of the issue, as probably the big fan of Rogue Son on the podcast in this particular. This is your book. This is my dog. book. I was disappointed probably too strong a word but most of the book i was like all right this is an issue of rogue son They're, they 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 do a good job of like crazy breaking the format in wild ways but there's a lot of setting up that goes out of the first half of the issue that pays off in wild ways by the end of the issue and that last page is absolutely killer so yeah i loved it yeah Killer, no pun it's intended. Good.
2: I, like, you definitely love this book the most. And mm-hmm. I think this is definitely, like, one of the more, like, serviceable parts of the massive verse. I don't get as excited for this book. But I do think this issue did a good job of uh, building us up to a final reveal that felt like it made some of the previous issues worth it.
1: This continues to be a great comic. The art is super tight bananas. Love the story. Love the action. Fantastic last panel. More please. Thank you. Let's move on to one that I'm very curious to hear Pete's take on in
0: particular, though also Justin's take, of course, Godzilla.
2: If you want to talk to Pete, then you're going to have to talk to Pete about it. I'm out.
0: Godzilla, Here There Be Dragons, number one from IDW, written by Frank Thierry, art by Inaki Miranda. This is basically a bunch of pirates traveling to Godzilla's island. Pete, take it away.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had me at Frank Thierry. I, th- this is just uh, here there Hello. be dragons. A several words in. I didn't have you at Godzilla or here there
0: be dragons or well.
1: Okay, yes. or you had me at Godzilla.
0: when
2: things are written. You had him. Alex you had just, you had him. Yeah, you just had me. All right.
1: IDW, uh, yes. Anyway, Godzilla, Here They Be Dragons, funny <laughs> title. Great. But also what I realize is the Here There Be Dragons is a little tip of the cap to the fact that there are pirates in this one. We have a fun crossover of pirates and Godzilla. <laughs> tip um, and uh, I just think, uh, you know, uh, I've never seen that before. So this is cool. You know, you got Godzilla on gold doubloons. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't get to, you know, like like a lot of things, you don't get to see Godzilla till the end, but uh, totes worth it. Totes worth it. Uh, Godzilla book. Yeah, I'll be there. How old is our guy Godzilla?
2: Has he been around? Oh, yeah. He's been around the block. I feel like... Scales don't crack,
1: bro. He looks <laughs> young as ever.
2: <laughs> he does. You think this is a younger, more like teenage Godzilla who's just trying mm-hmm. to like... Date like a much much older woman. Uh, I'll tell
1: you
0: what. My one problem with the book. I love the idea of pirates versus Godzilla. Very fun idea. Yeah. The execution of just like a pirate being like, "Give me rum, that I'll tell you this the, story." Yeah, exactly. Of Godzilla. I love
1: it. It was like a rum yeah. uh, Can you rub me, please? Uh, when
0: do I get that rum? Good across the board. Pete, I know you're going to yell at me when I say this, but that last page reveal of Godzilla is the old-school Toho Godzilla. Oh yeah! And the way that he pops up in the art, he's like, hey! <laughs> yeah. dude, it looks like he's just like, his eyes are so wide, and he's like, I'm excited uh-huh. to see you guys!
1: Yeah. When it should I'm be here! A, Welcome to Monster Island! Yay! It should be a scary monster Godzilla that... No, dude, going old-school Godzilla is great. Is it... Yes. Why is he so
2: mad at these pirates? Is it because they're near his island? Yes. He's much bigger than the island. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he lives yes. there. Yeah. Where's like house? if house?
0: Are we going to see Godzilla's house in this book, Pete? Defend I yourself. don't know.
2: Usually it's underwater. <laughs> oh, he did. He doesn't live in like a volcano or something. Yeah,
0: He'd like to be under the That's sea under, in a yeah. Godzilla's garden in the shade. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: That's one thing about Godzilla, like I feel like he changes sizes a lot depending on the movie or the comic or whatever, and it's like, oh,
1: like That's like any character.
2: No, most characters state most humans state uh, about the same well, size. Um, who's changes sizes?
1: Did you read that
0: issue of Spider Man where he was fifty feet tall for no reason?
1: <laughs> Not I good. Did. Not okay. good. But emotional. Uh, Fing fang Foom changes shape and size depending on who's doing the the art. Yeah, it's like Godzilla.
2: I want to see Godzilla like signing the Constitution. I want to see him uh, like Magna <laughs> so Carta. So you want Forrest
1: Gump but Godzilla? Is what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Give me yeah. that Gumpzilla. <laughs> That's the Zilla I
2: want.
0: I'll tell you what: a Godzilla themed restaurant would make a lot more sense than a forest Gump themed restaurant. So I'm all in for
2: it. How dare you? Have you even eaten there, lately, I have. Alex? I have. They, lately, that was a lately. that was a trap, Alex. That was a trap, Alex. <laughs> The fact that you part. just admitted to that is the biggest burn. You went to ever. Times Square
0: the other day, and you were like, "Ooh, uh, I eat there every day." You guys know this. Yeah. Every Bumble day gump I go truth. into Forest Cup, I do the trivia on Forest Gump I go into <laughs> Forest Gump <laughs> Whatever the restaurant is I, I call it Forest gump. gump They know what I'm talking about.
2: I'm like, give me, regular, give me
0: my regular bucket.
2: <laughs> my I'd like to meet Forest. If is Forest here, I'd like to meet
0: him. <laughs> like, yes, eat your bucket and then I'll out.
2: have my gump bucket <laughs> and uh soda, uh, I could like to submerge myself in Coca Cola. Is that possible? <laughs> There's my gum. Yes.
0: I would like to rest my aching feet, each in a ice cold Coca-Cola, while I have my bucket of shrimp. Hollows Eve number four from Marvel, written by Erica Schultz, art by Michael Dowling. In this issue, Hollows Eve, who gets her power from spooky Halloween masks, loses those spooky Aww. Halloween masks. No. Um, my. Uh, I continue to really enjoy the series way beyond where I thought I would. The creative yep. uses they find for the masks are very impressive. Justin, I can see you're shaking your head. Yes.
2: I agree. I love this series. There's no reason this series should be this good. But it's really thoughtfully made the way right from the jump in the first issue where Halsey uh, puts on a, a werewolf mask, becomes a yeah. werewolf, bites someone. He becomes a werewolf when she's like, oh, no. I've cursed this. I don't know how these masks work. And in this issue, uh, she finds a resolution to it in a way that I was like, that's really cool I did not expect that mm-hmm. to be the solution And I want more of this I, I would read this ongoing This is one of the best Spider-Man adjacent characters To be created in quite some time
1: I, I agree Every time I see this in our stack I'm like why is this not coming out in October This feels like it would just do so much better um, But then I read it and I'm like This is so cool This is so much fun The art is really fantastic I love the creativity be- behind her using her powers and when she does it. It's just, um, it's really impressive what this book is doing. I keep every time I open this, I'm like, got my arms crossed. And every time by the end of it, I'm, I'm absolutely in love again.
2: Wow. You're like, wow, you're hugging an older again. woman. It's like you're oh. hugging an older woman. Well, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough when your name is a date. You know, Hollows Eve. Like mm-hmm. if you were what if your name was Arbor Day? You'd be right. like, Oh, <laughs> no, this sucks. I did a girl
0: named Thanksgiving for a while. That relationship was a real turkey. Moving on Cyborg. Oh, no right. Dad joke. Oh, that guy is Ooh, to God. death. He's technically Ooh. a dad. I
2: love, I love how that ramped up. You were like, I did it girl's Thanksgiving. I a turkey. Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cyborg number two from DC Comics, written by Margaret Hampton, art by Tom Rainey. Now, Cyborg is, is sort of back to basics, except for the fact that his dad has died and now might be inside an android box. That's the big mystery that we're dealing with this issue. I know we were a little mixed on the first issue of this, but how'd you feel about issue number two?
1: I really like this. This is an interesting idea of a cyborg having to deal with dad cyborg because dads are stressful enough as is, but then you got your dad with a new technology and you got to like walk him through it over the phone. It is a nightmare scenario. So I, I do think this is a creative idea. All jokes aside, and uh, I, I really appreciate the uh, what's happening. I think this is an interesting idea. I love the art. Uh, this is cool.
2: It's a smart choice to sort of put Cyborg's relationship with his father as like an essential part of the character. It's like a core part of the character and how that's complicated. And he's almost his enemy, his like greatest enemy in some ways, but he still loves him. To sort of give them the firestorm treatment where they have to literally be roommates inside of Cyborg's brain. Is really smart, and I did not expect. I'm not a huge cyborg guy, but this series is uh, bringing a, a really smart uh, take on the uh, characters and the sort of relationships that he has.
0: Terror War number three from Image Comics, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Dave Acosta, that takes place in a world where these nightmares come to life and there's certain people with brain bullets that can fight them. We are dealing with the fallout of the last two issues where our team that we've been following is sort of on their back legs and they get a new lease by the end here, which is really going to potentially change the game and opens up a lot of the mythology of what's going on in this book. What did you all think of issue number three?
1: Yeah, this is great art. Uh, you know, you got this uh, r- rich, empowered lady threatening this dude into working for her. Uh, I think this is an interesting story. I'm enjoying this, uh, and I will read more.
2: How nice. Uh, I I struggle to hold this whole story uh, in my hands when I'm reading it. it. It's like I don't know exactly what's happening in the outside world, and then it feels a little bit like, uh these teams are fighting like you see in, in other comics. So uh I'd be the, the way it ends feels like it's turning a page, a love page, into something else. Um so I'm curious where that's gonna go, but uh but yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was a little more into the first two issues than I was this issue. This one felt like Like you're saying, I lost track of the narrative a little bit, but also like you're saying, it got it back on track by the end here. So still eagerly looking forward to issue number four. And the art from Dave Acosta is great. Like all the nightmares in particular are pretty awesome. The characters are really well drawn. So good book. The Vampire Slayer number 15 from Boom Studios written by Sarah Galley, art by Kath Lova. We are getting very close to the end here of this rebooted continuity for Buffy the Vampire Slayer as the gang is going up against Drusilla and we're starting to bring all of the threads together from all across the entire run. I continue to be a very big fan of this series and how it captures the tone of the characters that I know and love very well in a new and fresh way. I know every issue we've talked about how I'm like, I love this. And you guys are like, I'm glad you love that.
2: But yeah. that's how I feel. That's yeah. how I feel about all of our loves on this podcast. Any we uh, talked about earlier today, right now, and the one that you're talking about,
1: Alex. Okay. Great. Okay. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I was reading this being like, man, Alex is having a great time. Uh, I thought the splash pages with the adorable art was fantastic. It's, um, you know, moving these uh, uh, Buffy people in the right direction. And uh, it's exciting how it's building up.
2: And I, I'm not a huge Buffy person, but I do like this book. I feel like this book has given me all of the insight I need into all the characters and their individual relationships, which I think are different from the, the relationships in the Buffy series. So that's cool. And we're getting to the end. It feels like literally in this issue they're using every bit of information that's come before. So it definitely Yeah, it's
1: really like, buffing it up. You know what I mean? It's yeah. really building to the buff, and uh, it's great. What did you – what did you think, you Buffy fucker?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am Iron Man, number four for Marvel, written by Maroa Ayole, Wait, uh, art by Dovina Conde. This is a anthology, I guess, where every issue is showing us a different adventure from throughout Iron Man's history. There are this has been a fantastic series so far. We're getting another issue here where it wasn't 100% clear to me, but I think it was said at like the post-Civil War era was what I was kind of getting from it. Maybe I'm wrong Mm -hmm. about that, but whatever it is, another fascinating, really, really well done and beautifully drawn issue of this book.
1: Well, you're right. It is beautifully drawn. There's some really kind of tripped out, amazing uh, stuff going on. And it's, you know, Tony Stark is kind of losing his mind here. He's, Asking all these uh, superheroes, like, do you see this? Do you see these things? And it seems like only Tony Stark is seeing them. So it's kind of crazy to watch him struggle with his sanity, why this comic kind of goes on. But just incredibly drawn uh, monsters, just so beautiful. Um, uh, you know, Doctor Strange is there trying to help him. I mean, I think this is really worth it for the art alone, uh, to coin somebody else's phrase. But I do think that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I like also what's happening, you know what I mean, uh, and uh, what they're kind of building towards. Uh,
2: I agree. I, I agree with all that. One thing about this issue, I wanted Tony and Doctor Strange to be like, "Hey, real quick, why do we look like twins? <laughs> why are we straight up identical you think to we're each other? Re- right related now? at all, or like they have this down to the same facial hair at this mm-hmm. point." Like, what's happening
0: here? I I think if they were to answer that, they'd be like, "Ah, it's because artists have a limited amount of time to draw us and a limited vocabulary, so it's two white men with goatees. Let's go.
2: But, I mean, they do look, I don't know, they they look alike.
0: Dr. Strange has stripes of gray on his side and a goatee. Iron Man has a goatee, but no stripes of gray on his side. Reed Richard has no goatee, but the stripes of gray. They're three entirely different.
2: Very forms. different. Tony getting older, maybe he's going gray. Hmm. That be out. very confusing. I hope it never happens. <laughs> well, they or Reed will grow a little rubber goatee.
0: The Vigil, number two, from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Lalit Kumar Sharma. This is a black ops team of superheroes, question mark, that operate yeah. out of nice. India, I believe. And uh, we talked about this a little bit with the last issue, but even more apparent here in this issue. This feels like a lost wild book to me, down to the art style, down to the execution of the action. Which doesn't mean I don't love it because I'm loving reading it, but it feels like a book that came straight out of the 90s or 2000s.
2: Agreed, though I would put it more like it reminded me of books that came out from DC during Zero Year. The Mm. Zero Hour event, like, this, like, was right next to, like, Primal Force, if you remember that, (laughs) with, like, Red Tornado. I love that era because they took a lot of weird swings then. That's where Starman came from. Uh, I think the Ray spun out of that. One of my favorite runs uh, in comics is the Ray that Joe Casada was doing the art on was right around then. But this is – I like this. These are all new characters that I haven't – we've only encountered a couple times in the – Uh, lifetime-spanning Lazarus uh, event uh, is where we first met them, I believe. How dare you? This, I like the kid, very well-drawn, well-designed character. I like that this is a team that's a rogue team that's also going rogue individually (laughs) against the team that is also rogue. So it's rogue on rogue on rogue.
1: Yeah, everybody loves little rogue on rogue on rogue it, it was a little weird how they were like, hey, uh, kid, don't use your powers to kill these people. Let me do that. Uh, <laughs> maybe look away. I'm going to kill, like, everybody in the room. He it's, just lightly electrocutes them, which we've all been there. Well, I just, it was weird that there was, like, they made that character a kid, and then were just like, I, I don't know. It was just weird to me. I was like, tell that kid to you know, cover his eyes or something. You're just straight up electrocuting a room full of people in front of a child uh, that's going to well, have he some has trauma. Like a,
2: he has like half of a boombox for a head, so who knows what he's looking at. Mm-hmm.
1: He's probably
0: looking at some sweet mixtapes. Scar, number three, from Dynamite, written by Chuck Brown, art by Trevor Fraley. This is continuing the prequel series leading up to the Lion King, and in this issue, Scar tries to recruit a couple of hyenas and has become... He's a spoiler. He's successful. He gets three hyenas to team up with
2: him. Um, <laughs> Famously, the same hyenas from The Lion King. Um, oh,
0: man. What are the odds? Right? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been really enjoying these Disney. You I'm, love this. No, no, no. I do like this.
2: That's what I'm saying. This
0: was the issue where uh, I feel like you guys have mentioned this before, but this is – Really starting to feel like a prequel march to me in a yep. certain way, even though I like the yes. art, even though I like everything. The previous issues more felt like, okay, we're telling a story of Scar. Yeah. This is the one where I'm like, ah, we're just filling in we're gaps. Lining it up. Yeah, you know, it's line all. Lining it
2: up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, I'll, but I like the it, way, mind you, the way they explore the hyena, elephant graveyard culture, I was like, oh, really? busting out different Mm -hmm. aspect. But if you remember the scene they're building up toward is where all of the hyenas march in straight up Nazi goose stepping while Scar is (laughs) singing his song. So I don't know if that's really my favorite part of the Lion King mythos.
0: Hmm. Potentially. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens, but this is still well done. If you're curious about it, it definitely feels like a lost direct to video Lion King prequel movie Dark, but
2: dark well done. Dark.
1: Yeah it's darker And I, I like the art style Because it, it's Kind of like Taking the Disney art And just kind of Making it a little darker A little bit more emo uh, But yeah Unfortunately The kind of The fun that was happening Is a little bit Kind of deflated Because this is just You know lining it up, not lining it up, but, you know, just kind of uh, a setting sure. things so up. Who's the, who's, the it up. It up. Exactly. who's the daddy now? Who's the daddy now? Yeah.
0: All Eight Eyes, number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Steve Fox, art by Piotr Kowalski. This is following the story of giant spiders that are attacking New York in the 90s and nobody knows about it except for two men who are going to take them spiders down. Pete. Let's
1: hope so, because, uh, this shit is fucking uh, giant spiders in New York like City. This. Like, no, 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 please stop. Uh, stop. I, I have enough nightmares on my own. I don't need other things adding to them. Uh, but all that being said, um, this is a cool story. I love all the action. They're doing a good job of getting us just a little bit of, of enough of a story to kind of uh, slowly kind of piece this thing back together. But it does creep me the fuck out.
2: They say you swallow eight giant spiders a year <laughs> and you like really have to chew. Them. So that's like sleep oh, chewing. I
1: don't want to think about.
2: <laughs> oh. Well, don't, no, but the fart, the hairy little oh, bristles stop, going man. down your throat. <laughs> No. Pete,
0: talk off his headphones. So don't tell them about how he sloops on them egg sacks.
2: Oh. <laughs> mm. Give me, give me all eight of those legs. Sick frog legs. It's yeah, this is
0: really good. This feels like a movie that back in the day would have. I mean, obviously it's not a movie, but like there would have been a movie version with Kurt Russell being like,
2: "Kill those spiders." Great call. And honestly, I I really like this book. Mm-hmm. This this book is really giving us that eight like they live eighties horror movie where it's extra horrifying the characters are all like on the edge of just being psychopaths <laughs> like and i i think it's really good the art yeah. really matches that style one of my favorite reads of the week
0: i i was dis straight up to i've liked this more every issue and i was straight up disappointed when i read that next issue was the last issue of yeah. this what so. Yeah, that's when you know like you're in a book where you're like, oh man, no, I wanted this to be ongoing. I want more. I want to see these visions they have of spiders taking over New York. So, maybe we'll get a sequel, I guess. We'll see what happens. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support the show and all the shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7pm to Facebook and YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter, Comic book club live on TikToks and Instagram.
2: The TikToks. TikToks. The TikToks.
0: Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
2: Uh, Don't put this in, but there's a spider right on the pizza glasses. It's right on the edge of your glasses. Just knock it off before it gets in your mouth or nose or in your eye.